Welcome to today's episode of the Cyberwork with InfoSec podcast. For 12 days in November, Cyberwork is premiering a new episode every single day. In these dozen episodes, we'll discuss cybersecurity hiring best practices, security culture, team development, and the importance of storytelling in cybersecurity. Today's episode is entitled Collaboration and Cultural Relevance, Taking Security Awareness Global. Our guests are David Hansen, Senior Analyst, Corporate IT Security and Compliance for Brookfield Renewable, and Dan Teitzma, Information Security Specialist, Program Manager for Amway. The old saying goes, it takes a village to raise a child. In the case of Dan and David, their village is global and it takes a collaborative network of peers to plan and manage a worldwide security awareness and training program. If that sounds daunting, let Dan and David walk you through their blueprint for getting buy-in from stakeholders and designing feedback loops that allow them to tailor their programs to be culturally relevant and appropriate to employees worldwide. We hope you enjoy this 30-minute conversation between David and Dan, along with moderator Tyler Schultz. If you want to learn cybersecurity or move up the ladder in your career, we're giving all CyberWork listeners a free month of access to hundreds of courses and hands-on cyber ranges with InfoSec skills. InfoSec skills is aligned to the work roles, knowledge, and skill statements in the NICE workforce framework and can help you at any stage in your career. Be sure to use the code CYBERWORK when signing up. More details can be found in the episode description. Catch new episodes of CyberWork every Monday at 1 p.m. Central Time on our YouTube channel for video or on audio wherever you like to get your podcasts. Now, let's start the show. Let's actually dive right into how you're tailoring your, your training programs to, account, to accommodate the geographic and the cultural variances across your different offices. I know that's, that's a, a huge uh, challenge for each of you. Um, and it, each of you actually both take kind of a decentralized approach to mapping specific portions of your global programs. David, can you, can you step us through what this looks like and that collaboration between your core team and those individuals who are managing security awareness and training at a local or a regional level? Right. So we execute at the corporate level, we do a, a quarterly phishing exercise where we send out uh, variations of uh, theme to all of our people. But when we consider that we actually have 11 operating businesses in and we operate in a very decentralized model, um, there is a requirement to adapt the, uh, the, the selected template or templates. Uh, to to better work within the target environment. Um, some of the ones we have to deal with are Brazil, Colombia, China, Germany, Spain. And so it's um, myself as the as a center coordinator, um, I'll reach out and I work with the assigned individuals in each of the operating businesses initially to take a look at the um, at the formatting for the uh, for the templates we choose. For example, if we choose to do a, a, like a courier-based theme, um, you know, um, one courier may be very prevalent in UK, but non-existent in, uh, in India. Uh, and so we customize that, then the language. Um, and the last step is usually um, having the, uh, the site reps just do a last pass through and make sure that it, it you know, something that translates from English into say German, um, may sound not quite right. So they'll take it and they'll they'll turn it into uh, uh, into something which is more um, regionalized, more adaptable, more more um, accepted as as coming from the region. Yeah, that's great. Dan, can you can you talk a little bit more about your program as well? 
Yes, um, we have a combination of an approach that I'd say is centralized, but then also decentralized. Um, we're centralized in the sense that we have a 12-member awareness team of individuals from eight different locations globally. And that team works together to make content decisions for our new hire and then our global mandatory training programs. And we develop common goals and overall training topics each region should reference when developing their own training materials. Um, we're decentralized in that the regional awareness team members um, are responsible then for supplementing or complementing that global training um, with, with facilitator-led training um, and other training resources that are more specific to that region or to that market. Um, and they also share content um, you know, with each other um, so that we can leverage that, um, but then they can adapt it to their own audiences and their region and their markets. Um, we provide training in English plus 11 other languages. And for translations, uh, we work with InfoSec Institute, but also our awareness team members are fluent in many languages and they help validate translations and provide some translation content as well. Um, so that we have all that content then translated and available in all those different languages. And uh, learners then have the option to select their preferred language when they're accessing the training content. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And I think obviously that's it's a huge challenge for, for each of you to, to, to spread this training, you know, globally. But part of that challenge is not only being able to deliver that, but making sure it's 100% relevant for everyone. Um, not only to kind of standardize the education that you know you're delivering, but making sure that experience is just as good for everybody. Dan, I know I know you've mentioned in the past actually how you've you've actually used focus groups as kind of part of this process to make sure the training works for everyone. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, as part of the development of our program, we uh, use focus groups where you know we just will get a few people together in a conference room um, or possibly remotely, and you know just talk through different types of learning content, um, different types of methods for delivering content, and just getting people to respond to that and, you know, talk to us about what they like, what they don't like, what, you know, works well for them or doesn't work as well. Um, and it's very interesting because, you know, key finding from that um, is definitely that people have different learning styles and respond to the same content differently. And, you know, some of that seems to be aligned with cultural differences based on location, um, but really, primarily, it seems to be related to individual differences and in learning styles and content preferences. And that seems to cross over, you know, um, from a cultural standpoint, standpoint everywhere. So it really just reinforces um, that we need to offer training content, um, you know, over a two to three year period um, that covers similar topics, but provides variation in the content format and delivery so that it um, resonates with people, you know, in a different way or with uh, to people with different learning styles. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, David, what have, what have you picked up over, over your time um, administering global training? Have you noticed any preferences or, or differences you observe from different regions? I have to, uh, in line with what Dan was saying, we're, we're seeing something similar. Um, different different themes of the of the fishes that we we test people on will elicit different responses um we did we emulated uh, a year and a half ago uh, a linkedin uh, invitation uh, request and that got a lot of traction right across all the areas um the um right around you know the october november early december period there's a lot of packages being sent so 
we we've seen a lot of activity to that particular style of, of fish but other people will also react more to um, like a, a free one one month subscription um, so it's it's really you know what sort of bait you're going to dangle in front of them will elicit different responses uh, we've also found too that different groups um, respond differently um, uh, like a, uh, a request for help, Hi, you know, something like I'm a new member of the team, how do I get to this site? Um, some groups will, will be very susceptible to that and others, and I'm thinking here specifically of, of somebody from a legal team, will not respond to that at all. Um, and we, we gather that information, we uh, do a sampling and, and talk to people and, and after the, the test is over and find out what worked, why, why didn't it work, why? And we feed that back into our into our, our iterations uh, that are coming uh, down the road. Yeah, that's great. So actually, uh, switching gears a little bit, um, it might sound a little bit daunting to run these these large programs that kind of span the globe. So I'm interested. What what sorts of tools do you rely on? What kinds of uh, within your training platform or other tools that you use to automate as much as you can and make running this type of global program as efficient as possible? David, any any insight on that? I wish I'd had a, a solid answer on that. To date, um, I haven't implemented any tools or automation, but through identifying areas in the in the development phase for the for the quarterly tests, um, uh, things like sending out a, um, a, a preset um, fishy domains to to borrow your company's phrase. Uh, that they'll whitelist, it'll push onto the onto the safe center list. That will help to contract down the the time requirement. Um, other things like you know certain individuals are more cooperative um, in doing the translations. That can save you some time. When I first started putting the program together back in uh, two, beginning of 2017, it was around six to seven weeks to coordinate for all the different regions, the languages, and, uh, and actually launch the test. Now it's to, on a good cycle, three and a half, four weeks. On a not so good cycle, you can just add on another week or two. Um, but finding a, a tool that can take up some of that workload, not been successful to date. How about you, Dan? Is there anything you found has, has really helped scale the program and, and deliver training globally? Um, with the uh, InfoSec IQ learning platform, we have automated the new employee training uh, with a reoccurring monthly campaign that automatically kicks off each month um, and includes new learners added since the previous month. Um, you know, we're not currently doing an AD sync because we have a separate automated process for identifying and uploading learners each month. Um, but that definitely has been a big benefit to us. Um, another benefit has been the automation of scheduling and delivering a global learning campaign to approximately 20,000 learners. Um, you know, this includes the ability to create a training course, create a learner group, and then schedule a campaign to automatically send notifications and track completion and then support, you know, easy reporting as well. Um, so being able to automate both the, you know, new employee training and then also the global learning campaign um, has definitely been a, a real value and a real benefit to us and, and saved us a lot of time. You're yeah. really leveraging the uh, Active Directory synchronization, um, which I wish that was an option, but it's just not with, uh, with the organization. Yeah, I think what's really smart, the, the way you each handle your programs is, um, 
obviously you, you probably could really automate um, global training and, and use translations um, that kind of come out of the box and, and be super efficient. But I, obviously you guys have taken the approach to let's really take advantage of local regional offices and make it as efficient, as effective as possible, as opposed to let's just get it out the door as quickly as possible. I think that's, um, there's always gonna be some trade-offs there, but I think it's probably um, a smart decision, probably the most effective way to, to distribute training the way you guys are doing it. Um, well, the the initial training is actually pretty straightforward. I, I really don't uh, put a lot of time on a on a monthly basis looking at it, other than for the core corporate group. Anybody new comes in, put them into the list. Uh, once a year, I'll review and, if necessary, update the core modules that we want people to be trained on to establish that that baseline. Um, plus, we also put our uh, IT acceptable use policy uh, in there in that uh, training stack as well. So it also serves uh, a legal purpose. Um, so if ever required, we can go here. They did the training on, they finished it on this day. Um, we run with a decentralized uh, program where the actual assignment of training and, and completion within the 21 business day mandated timeframe is done by the operating business. I just sort of sit at 20,000 feet and, uh, and make sure there isn't any slippage. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep. The other thing that we have been exploring more is the uh, assigning additional training courses to specific audiences based on their job role. Um, and uh, so we can provide access to a learning platform to additional people within the organization to allow them to look at content and then possibly assign you know, training courses to people within their groups. Um, so that's an area that we're looking at expanding and, and doing more automation around. Yeah, that's great. So, um, so aside from, so obviously you have to, there's a lot of cooperation between security, your IT staff, and obviously um, anyone helping deliver the program in specific regions, but are there any other kind of collaborations within your organization that you found really useful for your program, such as working with HR, or communications departments, or anyone else at your organization? Dan, do you have anything on that? Um, yeah, we uh, partner with our human resources and um, legal and communications groups to combine uh, plans for our information security training, along with training done by our compliance group and HR human resources group. Um, and we have uh, kind of a training month or training initiative once a year. Um, so we may do our global mandatory training. We're sending out communication talking about our information security training, but then training in the other areas as well. Um, that allows us to get a lot of executive leadership support um, to encourage everyone to complete the training. So, you know, we really have a big emphasis on like a training month and the training that will be offered during that month and that, um, you know, it's required for everyone to complete the training. Um, so that's allow, uh, allowed us to, you know, increase the level of awareness with our information security training because we are partnering with those other groups and their training initiatives also. Um, the other thing that happens is our awareness team members um, also collaborate directly with leadership um, you know, within their regions to follow up and communicate further when we're running our global campaign um, to ensure, you know, that we're getting the completion of the training by all the learners. So that, that collaboration has, and, you know, partnership has worked well also. That's great. David, how does that, how does that shake out at your organization? Do you have um, a lot of other coordination with other departments or, or leadership teams that everything um, runs through? Well, apparently Dan talks to the other departments far more than I do. 
the the one group we do work with um, is um, part of our process. We, we we engage with each of the HR teams to acquire um, the active email addresses, and then after the fact, uh, when the when the quarterly test is done. Uh, we work with communications and we send out what, what I've termed to be a lessons learned document to all of our users um, and they help with the translations. And, and the intent behind that is that we highlight the within that, that, uh, that quarterly fish that has within the last usually two weeks has been sent out and is still relatively fresh in people's minds. We'll point out areas that they should watch for, you know, the email address, um, you know, other sorts of um, uh, hooks that we put into it, spelling mistakes, that nature of thing. And the, and the objective is, is that to get people to recognize uh, and to learn from the, from the experience um, and hopefully that they will use that information in the, in real time. Yeah, that's great. So big question for each of you, what does success look like for you? So what metrics do you measure your program by and how do you know what's working and where to adjust? Dan, what, what are your thoughts? Um, we do have a phishing program that includes monthly phishing tests. So we do uh, metrics and reporting on phishing clicks and suspicious email reporting and then, you know, scorecards associated with that. Um, so we do have uh, specific targets um, for those that we monitor. And then, you know, for for regions or divisions not doing as well on phishing results, um, our regional awareness training members will reach out to those groups to add additional facilitator-led training targeted at, you know, um, those specific groups or in some cases, um, you know, individuals depending on what the need is. Um, for our new hire and global mandatory training programs, we uh, monitor the percent completion and we have targets um, that we measure against for employees and contractors and completing the training. Gotcha. David, what does success look like for you? The, um, the main, main goal we're going for is to get our click rate down into the five percentile range. Um, and we're pretty close. Uh, we're not there, but we're getting close. Um, each each area, especially we, we do see a lot of, of uh, new people coming in and even new acquisitions. And we, we, we follow what it, what looks to be a fairly standard model where the initial test is it will score relatively high for that region. And then with training with um, both the the uh, the online training, but also uh, small group direct led training courses. Um, we've uh, I, I ran a course on that in 2017 and we dusted it up and off and updated it. But the the, the intent is is to see within uh, within um, two period or two quarter period to see it fall down somewhere into the relevant range. Uh, that we were, were, we're looking for. One thing that we have started in uh, since the uh, since the Q2 test is um, when individuals individuals who have clicked have fallen for the quarterly fish, we're retesting them again, and usually within a, a pretty tight time frame. Um, and each one of those people. Um, if they click again, that's another conversation. Uh, but each of those people will also be going through a a, a um, an interactive training session with a member of security compliance um, to help them understand where the weaknesses is at um, and bring up their 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 base level of knowledge and uh, ability to recognize a fish. 
great. So another another kind of tough one for you guys. Can you can you share with the viewers some of the lessons you've learned over the years or any aha moments um, for managing this global training program? David, do you want to take that one? Yeah. Um, the you, you need to be really clear about what your objectives are, of course, um, and also that a, an effective program which is spanning multiple countries and languages, it requires um, it does require a certain amount of time resource to ensure that it's it's um, um, developing um, and being implemented to the standard that you you're you're, uh, you're working for. Um, the, it's, I find it a little interesting because the, the initial training block for new employees, I don't want to say set and forget, but it's pretty close to that. But the actual phishing, the campaigns, the follow-up, particularly now that uh, that senior leadership is, is well-versed um, as to the threats that it represents to business, um, this is something that we do put a lot of time and effort into it. So when you are developing your program, um, make sure that you operationally you're putting the resources to ensure that it it maintains or even enhances the standard that you're looking for, uh, which is to train the people. Uh, we've recognized that you know we've got top rate firewalls and and uh, email filters and spam detectors and all that, but if you don't train the people, if they're not able to recognize it, you're always going to have that uh, vulnerability to your business continuity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dan, any any tips for, for the viewers? Yeah, I think one of the big um, things that we've learned over the last two to three years is um, the benefit of having, you know, consistent content delivered globally um, that you can create a baseline with, you know, all of your employees, all of your contractors globally through that computer-based training and you have a way to track you know, the completion of the training um, and kind of ensuring then that everyone's getting that common baseline to start with. And then the, you know, the fact that it's really important to balance that with facilitator-led training um, in, in the regions and the markets, you know, where you can then expand on the topics and um, make the training be a little bit more relevant to the people in that location or, you know, based on their job role. So it's really probably the importance of doing both and doing them both in a way that, you know, um, complements and supports each other. Um, so obviously we're still learning about that, how to do that effectively, but I think we've made, you know, a lot of good progress and become being more effective in achieving that, that good balance. And then part of that too, is we talked about this earlier, you know, that people just respond to content differently, right? Not just because of cultural differences, but because of how they learn. So, you know, it's really, I'm a real strong believer in repetition of you know the same topics and kind of the same information, but covering it a little bit different way and maybe a little bit different format, um, just to reinforce that learning over time and to accommodate um, the different learning styles. Yeah, that, that, that's a really good point. Go ahead, David. I was going to say there, there's one other point as far as the aha or lessons learned. Uh, I touched on it uh, very lately previously, but the we we tracked this in 2018 and again in 2019 where uh, across each each quarter we're seeing you know it, it'll float a little bit somewhere between the four and a half five and a half percentile click rate in Qs one two and three but in Q four 
Um, I have always gone with a courier-based notification or your package is lost, something of that nature. And my click rates um, have consistently across two years now jumped up in that quarter to 10, 11 or higher percentile. Um, so for us, we are changing our, um, our Q3 and Q4 training and instructions to focus on this clear vulnerability that's been brought forward. Um, and, um, and, uh, and I'll be interested in seeing what our numbers look like in, in January when I wrap everything up for the Q4 testing. Yeah, that's really smart. And I think that's a really a good reminder too, is obviously you guys have been, have been running your program successfully globally for, for some time now. And obviously building that program is a challenge in itself, but just like, just like you guys, just like, um, other organizations out there testing, seeing how employees perform and continuously changing. I think that's a good reminder, David, that um, that's kind of the that's kind of the game, right? Figuring out where you're vulnerable and what kind of training is required to address that and starting over and doing it again and continuously testing and continually working towards that. Dan hit on a really good point, actually, that people in different regions um, will have different vulnerabilities. Um, um, like in Colombia, um, you know, they, they just there's particular points where they have a greater susceptibility. Um, other places, um, in in China, for example, um, we would, for example, we would normally write uh, in in our fish. You're, you're telling a little bit of a story, uh, you know, like hi, you know, you need to do this, and you explain why, and then the person will digest that and decide. I found out that it, it, with Chinese users, get to the point. I mean, just like hammer right to it. And if you're not aware of these cultural or regional um, uh, normacies, then you you're you're undermining the efficacy of your of your template. So it's 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 you're always learning. You're always pulling in the lessons and trying to improve the product. Thanks for checking out collaboration and cultural relevance with David, Dan, and Tyler. Join us back here tomorrow for the final episode of our 12-episode daily podcast series, this one entitled Security Awareness and Business Culture, Ask Us Anything, featuring all four of our guests from the past two days, David Hansen and Dan Teitzma from today's episode, as well as Donna Gomez of Johnson County Government in the state of Kansas, and Tom Larson from Idaho National Laboratory. The Cyberwork with InfoSec podcast is produced weekly by InfoSec. The show is for cybersecurity professionals and for those who wish to enter the cybersecurity field. New episodes of Cyberwork are released every Monday on our YouTube channel and at all the places where you like to get podcasts. To claim one free month of our InfoSec Skills platform, please visit infosecinstitute.com skills and enter the promo code CYBERWORK for one free month of security courses, hands-on cyber ranges, skills assessments, and certification practice exams for you to try. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you back here tomorrow for more Cyberwork. Bye for now. How about some free cybersecurity training resources for you and your team? Just go to infosecinstitute.com slash free to get ebooks, training guides, and more than 100 cybersecurity training courses, all free for cyberwork listeners. Go to infosecinstitute.com slash free and start learning crucial new skills today.